Welcome to the Glow Up Effect podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Diana. Here at the Glow Up Effect, we're diving deep into mindset shifts, inspiration, and daily actions to help you thrive in your everyday. Let's get down to business and let's claim your glow up, girl. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Glow Up Effect podcast. Today, I am chatting with Zuhaley of the Dinero Chronicles. So welcome, Zuhaley. Thank you. Um, me and Zuhaley met on the interwebs. I feel like every podcast episode <laughs> start with this because I just am mingling online all day long. Um, don't tell my manager. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we met on Instagram and um, especially with the January coming to a close, I was like, I need to connect with her and bring her onto the show to talk all things dinero, um, which is all what Zuhaley's about online. Um, I'm sure you're about other things and we'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. It sounds about right. Yeah. So, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, 2020, I want to get my money right. I want to save. I want to go on vacation. Like all these things that connect to money. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, all the memes like 2020 securing the bag and like all this fun lingo. And one of my favorite is 2020. Um, I'm channeling that rich bitch energy. And I was like, yes, yes, I am bringing some Haley out and we're going to talk about how to channel the rich energy. Well, here we are. <laughs> so again, welcome. And I will just stop my ranting about rich, rich energies um, and let you introduce yourself and who you are, what do you do and kind of what inspired you to start De Niro Chronicles. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I was so humbled when you reached out to me. So excited. Um, so again, my name is Suhaili, and I am right now a full-time higher education administrator mm-hmm. and then a part-time advertising student at Boston University. Nice. And I would say a little over a year ago, I had just wrapped up from my first post-grad college job. Mm-hmm. And that job did a great, great, great thing for us where they really they really taught its, its employees the importance of saving and investing. And they had weekly seminars and they, had, they created these spaces where money was a conversation, but they also provided tools. And that was the first time that I had ever had that experience. Yeah. And once I wanted to have that conversation outside of my job, I realized how uncomfortable um, people were about talking about money. And most of my community they are black and brown. And, mm-hmm. and specifically, I felt when I was talking to like the, Carib- the Caribbean side of me, Dominican and Puerto Rican, like th- that conversation just was not, was not a thing. Like people yeah. were just like, that's money is my thing. You worry about your own and kind of like keep it pushing. Yeah. So I'm like, no, like I really just, I disliked the silence around money. Cause I'm like, we were all thinking about it. Yeah. It, it's in our minds. We, we deal with it every single day. So I just decided to create my own, my own community. And that's how the Netto Chronicles came about. Nice. Um, and was there, was your job in like the financial sphere at all or? Not at all. It was a, a ad tech company. Okay. So it was advertising. Mm-hmm. Nice. And when did you in your personal experience feel that you were ready to start doing things like being smarter with your money, tackling debt, um, looking into like high yield investment accounts or high yield savings, like, you know, all these trigger words that the listeners are probably like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but what was the moment for you where you were kind of like, okay, this is really interesting. A and B like, I'm ready to like dive into this. Right. Yeah. So 
the reason why I left that job was because it just, it wasn't what I wanted and it wasn't what I needed. Um, so speaking on a mental health component, it just was a place that I was not happy at. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they taught me its importance and how to save, I was able to leave that job under a year mm-hmm. because I had that financial cushion. And I was able to go back into the job search market without feeling that pressure to just take whatever job will come my way. Yeah. And that sense of freedom was what really showed me that I'm like, wait, I can probably do this in other areas. Like I can just save for other things and, and really have that control over what I'm doing with my money. Um, I realized after working there for nine months, I didn't have a dime saved mm-hmm. up. Like, I'm like, this should have been at least four more times. And that's when I sat down and really thought about what I was spending my money on. I mean, I was going out a lot. Yeah. It was the first time I was making a full-time salary. So I was that person out from Thursday to Sunday, just out with friends, drinking, eating. Right. (laughs) I'm like, I made it. I'm good. Um, A year in, I'm like, well, what have I made? Like, Mm -hmm. I have nothing to show for it. And, And after that, that's when I really started looking more into like, how can I, without overwhelming myself, what are some habits that I can start creating that are sustainable, um, but also are going to change my long-term plan financially and, and the, the type of decision choices that I will have. That's cool. I like that. Like your job almost like inadvertently prepped you for leaving them. Yes. <laughs> I really don't. don't <laughs> I don't like this. I, I've never thought about it that way. But it really did. I mean, they gave me that that habit of like, you need to save up for whatever is important to you. And at that moment, I'm like, leaving that job was was what was important to me. And so, yeah, they prepped me for leaving. So I guess that's, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. So like, in terms of, I feel like the first step when you're like, all right, I need to save money is the budget. That trigger mm. word right there, the budget. So mm-hmm. how did you master budgeting? Um, and what part about budgeting do you find the most difficult? Which I feel like budgeting, the whole concept is difficult, but if any right. specific portion of it is you find the most challenging. I think for sure, I would say trial and error. Mm-hmm. There's so many, listen, if you can go to jail for the amount of times that you can transfer money from your savings to your checkings, mm-hmm. I would have been in there. Yeah. <laughs> like at least two years ago, I would have been the first one in line. Yeah. because I, that was my mindset back then. I'm like, all right, I have the money in my savings. And at that point I used to have my savings and checkings in the both account, in both um, the same bank. Yeah. So it was so easy for me to rationalize. I'm like, the money's there. I have the money. So I would just go ahead and transfer. Like that, that was my budgeting. Like, skill. Yeah. that's what I was. I thought that I was saving for like future expenses. And that's what I thought I was doing. Yeah. Um, until I realized, you know, there, there is a limit. There's a maximum how many transfers you can do. Mm-hmm. And there is. I'm like, oh. yeah. And then there's fees for that too, depending on your bank. So once I figure that out, I'm like, okay, let me try out some money apps. Um, then I just realized subconsciously, I would just avoid those applications. Mm. Like I would just have them on a different page on my phone. So I didn't even, I would forget that I have them, yeah. um, which would just perpetuate that same behavior. And it wasn't until I started writing down like my monthly and weekly, depending how frequent they were paying me. Yeah. And writing down all of my bills, the due dates, 
the amounts and really studying my own spending habits. And I would, I still do this to this day um, with pen and paper, just because I, I'm a writer. I write everything down. And it's what works for me. But um, I think I had to figure out, I had to try all the other methods and know what worked, what didn't work for me and why it didn't work for me. And then finding a method that does, and it's something that, that I can keep doing. And I will say that's, that's probably the hardest part about budgeting is being consistent. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't, I guess you could budget for one month, but on, in the long term, that's, it's just really not going to do anything for you. And mm-hmm. I will always say about with budgeting, it's only a short term limit to a long term um, sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. And I think our mindset around budgeting is really like, I'm constraining myself in all areas. I don't think that's the case at all. I think budgeting is the, it's, what is the priority in your life? What do you want to do? And, and what, what do you have to financially do to get there? And I think once you start changing that narrative within your own um, money, budgeting is something you start looking forward to because then it's just a medium to get into what you want to get. But I think if you're, if you're not channeling your own mindset, you're always going to hate budgeting because you're going to feel like it's constraining you in all types of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, I like to budget because I am physically, I'm a pen and paper person as well. Mm. Um, physically like seeing where the money is going, like in your head. And I think this is where a lot of people struggle too. They do it the math in their head. Right. My boyfriend is one of those head, like doing the math in their head thing. And then something comes up and I'm like, how did you not foresee this? And he's like, well, in my head, I'm like, no, <laughs> no. sorry when you listen to this Raymond, but no. Um, but the thing is for me, it's visually seeing where it goes and the restraint piece is really huge because you can decide that maybe this week, you know, going to uh, an appetizer and a drink with your friend is a priority to you. And if you Mm -hmm. have to be available, then you will write that down in your budget. That's me. That's the behavior I would do. Um, so I really like that you mentioned that. And I like that you mentioned that trial and error. Because I do have um, some apps I've looked into and it's just like, it's not my favorite. Like, I don't want to go into the app every time I swipe my card or something. Right, right. Um, But that was one of the questions I had, which what technique do you think is best? So I am glad that you like pen and paper like myself. Um, But I think it's good to encourage the listeners to kind of feel feel for what they navigate towards. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when it comes to financial planning, it really needs to work for you. You cannot follow someone else's, mm, yep. I mean, to the T and, and think it's going to work for you because you're working with different expenses. You're working with different incomes. You're working with different frequencies. I mean, it's just, it's so personal to you, which is why it's called personal finance, that thinking that someone else's strategies is going to solve your money issues or your own money cha- um, mindset um, is unrealistic and you're going to be disappointed because it's not meant to work like that. It's going to, it's meant for you to work it for your own advantage. Yeah, for sure. Why do you think like budgeting as a young adult is so important or like getting a grasp of it younger versus older is so important? I would honestly say it's the habit that you're nurturing, the Mm -hmm. habit of budgeting, the, the habit of saving, um, I think the idea is like the more money you make, the better you are with money. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true at all. I think you could be making very little money and be great with money. Um, and it's really how, how often and how well you nurture 
that habit. So if we're, if we're teaching our young ones um, why is it important to save, how to save, and, and encouraging those questions, because I think in a lot of our um, communities, even having that conversation is not a thing in the household. Mm-hmm. And when, when money is being spoken of or about, um, it's in a very negative mindset. It's a very negative way. So you, you grow up with that same kind of like feeling towards money. So if we're teaching them kind of like the different ways they can save and why they should be saving, I think that's a great start to, to their, their young adulthood life. Yeah. Um, all right. So on your page, you're really transparent about your journey and you talk about, you know, leaving things behind, old habits behind, um, luxurious mm. facials. Um, oh, man, I miss those. We can all relate. Um, tell us a little bit about evaluating your wants versus your needs. Um, you know, the expenditures that you know that are always going to be there versus the things that are more like a luxury. And I'm using mm. your yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and I think you mentioned one, my, my facials. Oh, my God. I used to get facials and laser um, appointments. And they, they got expenses. It was like $300, 300 to $400 a month. Yeah, and I was doing that for over a year mm-hmm. um, and I had to question that I was like I what can I be doing with this money instead mm-hmm. and it was hard so now I'm like back on my facials but like once a quarter so every three or four months I feel like at that point I can rationalize it I can save yeah. up for it or I could just know that for that specific check there I'm gonna have less money to work with because I that's what I want to do it for yeah um so yeah, so I, it took me a really long time to be completely honest. I think for, for a while there, I was so focused on my needs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I have to do just my needs to be able to save or pay down debt that I completely ignored my wants. So like I didn't leave any space, financial space for entertainment, for making sure that like self-care or seeing the people that I love the most and spending time with them. I, I didn't allow myself to do that for a long time. And my mental health definitely took a toll on that. And that was towards the end of last year, um, which is when I spoke about it, depression and dinero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to reintroduce the rhetoric to myself that it's okay to spend money, mm-hmm. that just because you're saving and you're paying down debt, it should, the idea shouldn't be that you will never spend, you shouldn't be scared of spending money because that's, that's life. Like you're, you're going to have to spend money. You just have to figure out what it is that you truly want and need, and then compromise with yourself, create a plan with yourself, kind of have that dialogue because things are going to change. Your needs are going to change and your wants are also going to change, but being able to be flexible with yourself and compromise with yourself, I think were the two biggest lessons that I learned last year about financial management for me. Mm-hmm. Nice. Do you feel like you have been taking part in a lot of like the FOMO, the fear of missing out? Because I feel like personally and from a lot of people I speak with, it's just that fear of not being at that concert, the fear of missing out this, the fear of, you know, not joining the spring break trip to Cancun, whatever it is, you know, mm. do you, how do you feel like that glimpse of missing out on that experience has impacted you? So I think one of the toughest thing I've had to 
um, be okay with is that I had to, I wouldn't say necessarily part Mm -hmm. with certain people, but I think I've, I've definitely had to have that money conversation with, Mm -hmm. with people and, and letting them know that, Hey, I have like these, like these money goals and things are going to have to change in our relationship. And I think Mm -hmm. everyone has that one friend or that group of people that spending time also means spending money. Yeah. Right. And I think that's when you have to have um, boundaries for yourself and, and being able to vocalize that. And I think anyone who's a really good friend, they're going to respect your, where you're at right now. And they're going to respect what you're trying to do for your life. And I've had, I've, I've been blessed enough to, to have people who have been willing to meet me halfway Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, we don't have to go out to eat, but come to my house and we'll cook together. Like just little things like that, that do save money, but you're still being able to spend time with your loved ones. Um, but also being, being okay with the fact that some people might not meet you there. And then that's a different conversation. That's a different, it's a different, um, I think, idea. Like, is this, is this a relationship that you, can you afford to keep this person around? literally Um, yeah yeah, literally because if there's a person who's always inviting you every friday and you constantly have to keep saying no it's gonna take a strain in your relationship Mm -hmm. and you're gonna feel the distance so it's just it's really how lucky you are with your friends how comfortable do you feel talking with people about money and about where you're at um and then being being able to stick to your boundaries when it comes to it yeah i think the part about being very straightforward with where you're at is a big portion of that Mm -hmm. sometimes if you just reflect on it you're like yeah it sucked not to be there or to participate but no one even realized that I was missing or the party still happened or you know um not to say that people don't appreciate your um presence but sometimes just like the show goes on like the quote says it does it sure um Mm -hmm. you know but yeah, but thank you for sharing that. Cause I think like in my own life, I have that issue. And then my sister's in college and you already know in college, you're going through it mm. with your like five hour work study job, right. <laughs> like loans and her, she actually is in it. I feel like even further situation because she goes to school UMass Amherst. So like it's, it, there's nothing out there. There's. Honestly, I went to Smith, so it's the same. Oh my um, gosh, yeah. Yeah, so same environment. Like me, I went to school in the city, so it was like, well, I can just walk to Target and have a job. I can just walk to, you know, I used to work at the mall and at Aeropostale. Rest in peace, Aeropostale. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so it's like, I feel like the the resourcefulness is, is only to a degree because. Right. And then the school is so big, like you, she can only score five five hours in a week which is probably equivalent to like 30 bucks. <laughs> right. Exactly. So she finds herself in predicaments very often where it's like, okay, but I want to go on spring break. And then I challenge her. I'm like, but why? Well, everyone's going to be there. I'm like, but they're going to be fine. And you're going to be fine. And you're yeah, going to be at home hanging out with your family and eating for free. Like, so Yeah. It's, um, it's so hard, especially like, um, well, I went, I went to a private, private school, like I said, Smith college and that, that school introduced me to a completely different world of what it meant to be wealthy. Mm. And so that pressure 
I, I, I had never seen money, like that, that um, topic of like old money. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, do people behave in a different way when money is just not an issue. I mean, mm. the conversations that I will be around, um, girls who were just 18 and just having access to private jets and like, I, it was just, I'm like, what am I living in? Like who, who, like who are my actual friends? And it took me a long time to realize how like the differences in money, money mentalities, just because money was a conversation and and they've seen their parents being able to multiply and bring down, um, pass on generational wealth. And it's just, it was a different world. And it really, it it does pressure you a bit to be part of these, these spaces and these trips because you don't, you don't want to miss out. And so Mm -hmm. what, what can you do when you're working five to 10 hours, maybe tops and your, let's say your best friend just has to call their parents mm-hmm. to not only buy them the, the ticket, but just take care of everything. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really hard place to be yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I want to switch gears a little to talk mm-hmm. about the savings account. So what is, do you think the most effective way to save? And when I mean, when I say that is, you know, are we taking out, you know, have you seen those charts where it's like week one, $5, week two, yes. $5. <laughs> um, or like, are we doing weekly um, deductions from your check that go automatically there? Like, what do you mm-hmm. think is the best way to approach savings, which is such a daunting task? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, great question. Let's let's stay on track. (laughs) Yes. Um, I would say automate, Mm. automate your savings. If you keep thinking that you're going to save, you're playing yourself hard body because if you, if savings wasn't an issue for you, you would have been saved. Right. And so the way I thought, I thought about it was out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is now none of my savings are in my, in my checkings account. Mm. I don't see my savings at all. I don't know how much I have in my savings, mm-hmm. but I know for each, I have two savings. Account, I have three savings account. And for each savings account, I have, um, one, I have like $20 deduction weekly. And the other one, I have $75 deduction. And the other one, I have 25. And these deductions are being, taken out of before that paycheck even hits my checkings account Mm. then I know that that money I have in my checkings account on a weekly basis that's money that I can work on to pay bills and or um invest Mm -hmm. um and or pay down debt Mm -hmm. but I know that my savings accounts have already been taken care of yes and and it took me way too long to realize that if I could just automate that and a lot of the times that's an easy conversation with HR Mm-hmm. you just say hey I want to take this money from my checkings each each week or bi-weekly whatever you works best for you um and it makes it so much easier yeah I think you don't have to have it in online savings account you can have it at a credit credit um union if that works best for you depending on the city you're in how accessible you want your money to be I think those are all very important questions that only like the individual person can answer yeah but if just don't have your money, your checkings and your savings account in the same bank because you will start transferring that money for mm-hmm. sure. And you won't be saving either. 
Yeah, I had that issue. I had my savings um, in my same account. And then on top of just physically seeing it and doing the, the reversal of transferring, they were charging me a fee because I was not, um, what is the word? Depositing, auto deposit, um, an X amount of dollars every month. And I'm like, but my auto deposit goes to my checking. So how am I going to be sending any more money like to this account? So I was, and then I did the math. I was losing like 60 to $70 a year Mm. for the longest period of time. I was okay with losing those $5 every month because I was using it as a placeholder for that money. Um, So I had to smarten up about that. And it's, it's just incredible. Like how we're like, oh, it's just $5, it's just $5. And they add up how we just like yeah we have like the smoke screen in front of us about that so thank you for sharing that um of i had a question about so you have three not to get all up in your business here <laughs> um, but i you know i've done a, a little of dabbling in in researching about like where you should save or what you should save for so do you have like do you have those first specific things like one is just like hardcore savings one is the emergency day can you tell us a little bit about why you have three sure yes <laughs> like wow like he's enlightening me why do you have three so Haley? why um yeah so I have one is my emergency fund um for the first I think that the normal idea is like you should have a thousand dollars um saved up I've quickly learned that that a thousand dollars really is nothing yeah so I'm trying I'm building it up now to um go three to six k Mm-hmm. on that emergency fund and then I have one for travels I always like to travel at least once a year and that's something that I'm not willing to give up mm-hmm. so what I just do is I just save up for it um and then the third one is just kind of like disposable money so when if I just want to go to a club one day with like my friends on the weekend I have that money there or mm-hmm. a, a birthday dinner or a birthday gift that I forgot about that money is there so that's more of like just um, like accessibility wise, yeah. but the other two I don't touch, touch at it. all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Of course. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about what the difference is between sinking funds and emergency funds? And you might have subconsciously already told us what those were in breaking down your three um, your three accounts. But I'm really trying to while you enlighten us with all this dinero knowledge. <laughs> Um, to use the the words that the listeners and, and people are going to be exposed to when they try to go mm-hmm. tackle this on their own. So right. I, I'm definitely trying to integrate the the terminology in there. Right, of course. Sinking funds versus emergency funds. Yeah. So for sinking funds, it's the idea that you're saving for an upcoming expense. Mm. So um, when we're talking also about accessibility, how, how fast do you need that money? I mean, and I'm thinking like, if it's an online savings account, many of them have a three to six day withdrawal um, kind of like notice for you to get that money. With a sinking fund, it's always best to, in terms of accessibility, you need to know exactly how, how much you're saving and what you're saving for and how often do you need to like touch that money. So um, for my sinking funds, it could be anything from, I'm currently, as I've said, I'm, I'm a grad student. So books or my semester bill, um, I'm also in therapy. So a lot of the times when I have to pay for my copay, it's about like $80, um, a session. So that's money that I also get from there. And what else? 
it's it's definitely so it's not the same as a checkings account Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people like to think like okay I'll just leave this little like cushion money in my checkings account that's a bad idea because you're just going to end up spending it all I'm done giving Um, that I did that for a very long time. And I'm like, really, this is not working. Yeah. Like you really need to figure something else. And um, yeah, so that's, I would say stinking fun is all about just kind of prepping yourself for an upcoming expense. Mm-hmm, like car Whereas, or something. Exactly. People who have a car can relate. Yes. Like, exactly. Never know. So in terms of emergency fund, I would say it's more of long-term thinking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if one day, you get into a car accident or you lose your job out of anywhere um any health issues any like unexpected bill is what you're prepping for for emergency fund yeah um and that could be anywhere from three to six months or even longer when you should always be just saving because you just don't know what life may bring to you but again it's more of like trying to foresee the unforeseeable yeah like how they say um for a rainy day. For a rainy day, exactly. For a rainy day, when it's where, thunders, where everything, everything just goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was really great um, in really approachable ways. So mm-hmm. I hope that everyone can, can, can get started on that. Um, so I have a bunch of listener questions. I have been rating my Instagram followers to tell me what they would love to talk about when it comes to money. Um, so we'll do a quick pause here. Um, okay. And we're going to do listener questions. Yay! Yay! Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow Up Effect podcast. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you love this episode, please share with your friends and family and tell them to check out the Glow Up Effect. Lastly, if you don't already, please check me out on Instagram at the Glow Up Effect.